Thank you, Dan. It's a great joy to me that you did that reading, because if you hear in his accent, there's just a slight twang, and you might think, where's he from? And he's from the greatest city, Birmingham. Thank you. Actually, Sheffield's the greatest city, but the second greatest is second greatest is Birmingham. Folks, it's lovely to see. If you're here for the first time, my name's Tom. I'm the vicar. And let me just say something briefly about me. I'm married to Carissa, who's on the front row. And we've been married 18 years today. Thank you. She, she really needs deserves a medal. We've got three, we've got three children. We've got Hannah, who is at a local school called Tapton School. And um, it's great to hear Holly, because we know in her, our household as Miss Phipps. And uh, we have son Theo, who's just started junior school. He's in year three. And then we have Phoebe, who's a force of nature. And she's, um, she's still in nursery. And uh, so this is how, after 18 years, you, you do anniversary, you come to church. And um, it's great to have you with us. I'm from a place called Warsaw in the West Midlands, which is just outside Birmingham. That's where I grew up. First 19 years of life and then uh, didn't do as well as I'd hoped in my A-levels. I was hoping to go to Leeds University. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Leeds University. (laughs) Bless him. He went to Leeds, flying the flag. And uh, I didn't... So I went to Hull University... (laughs) <laughs> as Edmund, Blank, Edmund Blackadder once said, I don't know whether that reference is totally gone, but I'm gonna, I've said it now, so I'm going to finish. He said, there's three good colleges in England, Oxford, Cambridge, and Hull. So there you go. So I went to, I went to Hull and um, met Glissa, so it was all good. The Lord had a plan, and I had a great time, and I loved it. I didn't do, I didn't do anything, really. I didn't, I, oh, dear. Oh, man. In fact, when I went to university, you hand-wrote essays. That, that's 24 years ago I started university. I was five. I was so gifted. And, um, so if you're here and you've just arrived in Sheffield or you've been here a week or so, just want to say a massive, massive welcome to you. We love this city. If you're a fresher, I don't know if any freshers here or you've made your way to church, it is absolute joy that you're with us. I was out walking my dog yesterday. Actually, we've got a dog. If you like dog walking, we are always looking for dog walkers. Seriously. We, we get a lot of people walk that they don't come back for some reason. I think she's a little bit crazy. She, we have a one-year-old Labrador, and she's a, be- she's a beauty. Um, so if you, honestly, if you like walking dogs, we'd love to hook you up. Absolutely fine. Yesterday, I was walking Mabel, and we were walking past... Um, uh, Ranmore, a student village, and see loads of cars, people getting dropped off, and you could see the parents, the fraughtness, the tension in the, on their face, and then you could see the kids like, yeah, freedom! So, welcome to Sheffield. Have a great time. I want to say something super, super um, quick about our church. We love the city of Sheffield. They think it's the most beautiful city. Uh, whether you're born here, whether God has called you here, for however, however long it is that you're here, today I want to say something as quickly as I possibly can about why you should make your home here for the time that you've got. 
And why is it that we believe that God has called us to love this city? In fact, the, the vision for our church is to be a church that is for the city. And why we think that that means that as a disciples of Jesus, we're to love it well. And how, how, we, how do we do that? One of the ways that we do that, we believe we're called to plant churches. Last week, we commissioned the church to a part of the city called Furvale. Holly referred to that earlier with a football club she's going to be involved in setting up. There will be other plants and if you make your home here, maybe right now, God is calling you, without even realizing it, to be part of a solution of God's people bringing life to this beautiful city. The guy who's leading our church plant in Fervale came here as a student a long time ago. God got hold of his heart, and he decided to make this city his home, and God called him to plant a church in that place. And there's maybe somebody here today and you just think, I've just, I don't know, I've just rocked up into this church. But yet God has a plan and a will for your life to do immeasurably more that he can ask, you can ask or imagine. So Dan beautifully read an amazing an amazing passage from, from the book of Jeremiah. And we're going to come to that in just a moment. This talk is going to be in two halves. I've been told by the young guys on the team it's an amazing to have Luke with us. What a blessing he is and just so, so delighted that he's with us. And he's been saying with Sam, look, you can't speak for 40 minutes anymore. And that's a shame because so we're going to break it up. We're going to have some conversations and to keep people's attention. Okay, so we're going to make some changes, folks. I'm learning. I'm learning the new ways. I want us to jump, if you've got a Bible, I want us to jump straight into Genesis chapter 1. And then we're going to dive into Jeremiah, we're going to take a break, then we're going to dive into the book of Romans, and then we're going to go home. Amen? Okay, so this is what it says, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move on the ground. Um, verse 27, it says this, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That, the, the, the word image there is a Hebrew word, salem, which is translated into the Greek. It's where we get the word icon. Salem in the Hebrew means that, that God makes us in his own image. It's this beautiful picture of intimacy. It means that, that there's attributes to human nature. For example, the most obvious one is creativity. I remember once doing a, a talk a little bit like this in, in a cafe in Cambridge when our church building was out, of, it was getting a load of work done, so we needed somewhere to meet. And in this cafe was incredibly creative. There was art on the walls and it was known for music and the people who worked in there were really creative people. And I remember it's a really powerful moment to say, you know, your creativity reflects the very nature of God. Isn't that a mind-blowing thought? Like when you listen to music, there's a reason that music is so powerful because it represents something of God. The, the way that you see the most amazing picture or the most amazing art and you just love it and appreciate it. Or perhaps you're not particularly arty, but you just love an equation. If you do, will you help me? Because I can't help my daughter with her maths homework. It's suddenly got to a whole new level. 
Maybe you love to sort and you love to organize, or maybe you're somebody who naturally has a clipboard and takes charge. Some people think you're bossy, you just think you're a natural leader. Though all those attributes are because we're made in God's image. And what we see in the, what's called the creation narrative at the very beginning of the Bible is that as, as we hit the fall, as sin enters in to the world, that we no longer know or operate or believe that we're truly made in the image of God. I remember a particular moments some years ago, I met with a spiritual director. Now, spiritual director is a kind of weird Anglican word or an Anglican concept where you essentially you meet with a Gandalf-like character once every couple of months and you bear your soul. So there I was in this beautiful Cambridge college, kind of thing, you know, it's got like ivy, it's this beautiful building, and I'm sat in his room, and I, I don't know, I say in 100 words what most people can say in 10. So he was long-suffering, he's listening to me waffle, and then he just stops me, he jumps in, he says, Tom, he says, you need to know that you are made in the image of God. I thought, well, what a funny thing to say. And I got on my bike, because it was Cambridge, and I cycled home, and I thought, yeah, I do. I, I'm made in God's image. Lord, you love me. You have a plan for me. But actually, you like me. There is stuff that I do which is unique, that I'm uniquely wired. And I began that moment, a kairos moment in the Greek, a moment where God breaks into your life, arrests our attention, and began something of a healing journey. God beginning to restore that was broken, that you and I are made in his image. What does that mean? now for us in Sheffield, September 2022. If we jump into the book of Jeremiah, what we see is this is, this is something that, we've, that we have really certainly inspired me as I've, I've been vicar here now for probably two, two years, I can't remember, it's not a very long time, uh, there or thereabouts. And we've been thinking about how can we love our city well. I just want to say a couple of things. Let me give a bit of a brief history. It's in a season of the, the, the history of the Jewish people where they've been taken, the middle classes who lived in Jerusalem, the kind of people that were influential, have been taken against their will to a city called Babylon. It's, a, it's about three, 400 miles away. They're forced to walk there. It's taken a long time. And they are, the reason that they've been taken there is because the assumption is that if they go and live in Babylon, what is going to happen is they're going to assimilate to Babylonian culture. They'll drop all their religious beliefs. But actually what happens is when they arrive there, they hate Babylon with a passion. Babylon is so opposed to everything that they stand for. It is a palace of sin. They hate it with a deep passion. So they, they kind of live on the very edges of the city. They don't want to get involved in the culture. They want to avoid it. It kind of a bit like my first night away at university, which 24 years ago, I can barely remember. But I just felt so uncomfortable. 
And there's a sense in which they, they are just not comfortable there. And there's a man called Hananiah who says, don't worry, I've been in a prayer meeting and you're only going to be here for two years. Two years, that's a nightmare. So they don't even unpack all of the pain of being taken against their will to this place. It must have been a nightmare. When's it going to end? And then there's a prophet called Jeremiah. There's a whole book of the Bible dedicated to him. And he writes to them. And I don't know, maybe he says something that they really don't want to hear. But he says, there's, there's good news and there's bad news. In verse 11, he says this, For I know the plans I have to you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. But the kind of stuff that you find, maybe you've got on your fridge at home, a fridge magnet, you know what I mean? It's like, yay, I, I like that, plans to prosper, I'll take that. But he says, you're going to be there for 70 years. Oh, my goodness, 70 years, that is intense. And then he says this, this is what you need to do. You settle down, build houses, plant gardens, eat what they produce. So don't live anymore on the edges. Build a house, grow a garden, make your home in a city, in a place, in a time that you don't want to be. And then he goes on to say this, um, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and daughters, give your daughters in marriage so they too may have sons and daughters increase in number. He says this, also seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. This is just like, when they would have heard this, it would have been like mind-blowingly, unbelievably offensive. So you're asking people who've been taken against their will to make their home in a place they don't want to be? And he's going, yeah. And not only asking, God is asking them to do it, he's saying, actually, pray for that city. Seek its peace and its prosperity. You think, I hate it. But you know, what is happening there is that, that Jeremiah, believing that he's, he is hearing God, is saying that you to a collective group of people have been made in the image of God. In, in the beginning, in, in Genesis chapter 12, when God's people are birthed, they're birthed to be a blessing to the nations. And now God is saying, you may find yourself in a place you don't want to be, but make your home there and love that city. And as you love it, and as you begin to pray for it, and you begin to work within it, it is what the theologian and pastor Timothy Keller calls the common good. As you begin to love the city, as you go to work on Tuesday, as you begin to pay your taxes, as you begin to pray for it, you are beginning to embrace the mandate that God gave in the beginning, that you are created in his image. And as you begin to operate in his mandate, you carry his image and we point to another place to live differently, to live with love and with grace. And then what happens in the um, scriptures is, is we, we realize as we get into the um, New Testament, uh, we realize that there's a very similar pattern that begins to emerge. God's people are scattered. No longer are they drawn to Jerusalem, but they're sent out. And as they're sent out, 
they're sent out with this same mandate to be represent him, to love him, to serve people, to speak of him. And that is called the church. We're going to take a pause for a minute. Done a whistle-stop tour of Jeremiah. I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but I'm just going to ask you, the folks around you, what has your experience of church been up to date? Maybe this is your first time and you're thinking, I'm never coming back here again. That's fine. You can say that. If you hate talking to people, as Lucas said, maybe you want to take a second trip to the toilet. But what's your experience been? Good, bad, indifferent? Share with the folks around. Okay, guys. Fantastic. I'm not going to do the countdown thing because I just can't do it. It'll just be, just be really lame. So <laughs> you did a great job. No, no, I, I don't mean that what you did was lame. I think you did it very well. I just couldn't, I can't replicate it. Just that we think you're lovely, Luke, honestly. You've got a lovely voice. Um, like a voice for radio. Yeah? Have you done radio, haven't you? Got a face for radio. Sorry, I didn't mean that. Oh, it's sounding terrible, isn't it? Oh. It's just, look, oh, Jesus, help us. Okay. Oh, dear. Put me off my stride. Okay. <laughs> so here's the thing. The people of God are in exile, and there's this missional call placed on them to love the city. And in building houses, there's the assumption they're going to have, they're going to share life, and as they grow gardens that they're going to share what it is they produce with other people, that they're going to live open and generous lives, which points to the God that they serve, which is completely different to the culture in which they live. And I want us to jump into just very briefly Romans uh, chapter 12. The book of Romans is a beautiful book in the New Testament. It is packed for, it is really kind of the summation really of the Apostle Paul's theology. And then in Romans chapter 12, there's a particular part where it begins to talk about what is the nature of the church? What does the church look and feel like? And then in verse 9, it says this, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Verse 10, it says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. You see, there is something that happens when the people of God meet together. The scripture says where two or three gather, the Lord by his spirit is present. There is something that happens when the church is scattered out from Jerusalem into various places around the world as they meet together in homes. The early church for the, the, church for the first 300 years looked nothing like this. It was, a, it was in a home. And it, it, um, it, there, was, there was nobody at the front playing. Some, it, it's all right, but somebody would bring a song. Somebody would bring food. Or actually the people in the home would provide food. But everybody would bring something. Because the church in its first 312, 316 years, Luke will know the precise detail. He was at theological college sooner than I was. The church understood itself as a body, a people with a mandate to represent God. The church was radically different. 
There's a, a theologian, a sociologist, sorry, by the name of Rodney Stark, who, no, who, who commented that when uh, houses were excavated in Rome, they would discover that that um, that sewers would sometimes be clogged with the skeletons of babies. Oh, it's terrible. Yet the church was different. The church loved life. The church fostered and adopted children. When pandemics kicked in, the church was a family. When people left in the place of a pandemic, the church moved in. A people who are who are there, who whose sole purpose was to represent God. And when we gather in his name, God, by his presence, is there. There's another aspect to how we understand that we're made in the image of God. Because if if you um, know anything about Christian theology, you know that we say that God is Trinity, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So when my um, spiritual director, a man called Adrian, looked me in the eye and he said, you need to know that you're made in the image of God. That, that sent me on a, a really profound journey of discovering just how much God loves me because I, I, really, I didn't really know that. I used to find all kinds of affirmation and encouragement through lots of unhelpful things. And God in his grace has been stripping all that away and still a lot of work to do. I'm not the finished article by any stretch. But there's something uniquely incredible that happens when we meet as a church, when we meet in communities, in homes across the city, when we meet like this. Because not only does God command his blessing, but as God gives to us gifts, and as God wires us in different ways, it's as we meet together and in what Romans 12, verses 11 says here, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love. It is from this amazing Greek word called philostorgos. It's the father's love or a parent's love. As we meet in his name together, we represent God to the world around us. And my own story is something like this. When I was a fairly unhappy teenager, I was probably about the age of 14, I was a miserable teenager. I mean, I know you're supposed to party and have lots of fun. I did not do any of it. I got it all wrong, folks, I tell you. And some friends of mine had said, I'd been going to church, but I wasn't really connected with the church. Some friends of mine said, will you come to this, come to this youth group? It's amazing. So I went along. And it was. And I loved it. There were girls there. I had some mixed motives. I'm not going to lie. But... There was something different about them. And now see it was the presence of God. There was, there was, there was a love and a connection, a storge love, the, the four Greek words for love. There was a family love. It was like coming home. There was a, a homesickness inside of me. There is a homesickness in all of us. It is the human condition. And there was something about I have come home. That they loved me in a way that was just began to heal this little porky brummy, started this healing process of putting me back together. And part of our hearts and our vision is that we as a church, yes, we gather on Sundays, hallelujah for Sundays. Yes, we're going to send out church plants, but we're going to gather in homes across our city as our church has been doing for over 40 years. 
But in this next season, we're going to begin to ask the question, say, what does it mean to be a family? Because to be a family means that you are seen. The beautiful thing about having a family, we've got little kids, is uh, and from, if you don't have small children, let me tell you what it's like. There is no privacy. Like, even if you're on the toilet doing a number two, and you think, I can have some peace now. There's somebody banging on the door wanting to come in. And there's something around family life is that you can't hide who we are, and yet we are seen and we are known. And in the same way that God, we see beautifully in Luke chapter 15, of the two brothers, again, this kind of slightly dysfunctional family, and the father sees the younger son, we're told, and he's lived a wild life, and yet he sees him, and yet he loves him. And restores him, puts a, puts a robe on him, puts a ring on his finger, puts sandals on his feet. Says, you're not a slave. Everything I have is now you. You're now part of the family. You're restored back to the family. You're not just in the corner because you screwed up. You're back in. You've got the family credit card. And there's another brother who is really religious and he's very angry. He's the guy that if he joined your home group, you wouldn't just be, you'd be really careful what you said around it because he's probably got all the right answers. And yet, the father reaches out to him with the same love. He sees him, and he says, you're loved. So the vision of our church is this, folks, is to love our city deeply, to seek its peace and its prosperity, to get a job here if you're called to stay here. Even if you're here as a student, you're here for a year, two years, love it, get involved, serve the poor. Serve the next generation, and if you want to come to our church, we can signpost you how, how you can do it. So love the city. And the second thing is to be a family. We'll need to work some of those things through, and to, the Lord will study the Scriptures, allow the Lord to speak to us through the Scriptures, and we'll wait on the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing. In Jeremiah, as there's a passion for the city, there's the belief as we live in this city, we are citizens of another city, we see in the end of the Bible that a city that is to come, a city where there is no more cancer, there is no more COVID, no more mental health crises, it's a place of perfection. It's a place of beauty. It's a place of restored and reconciled relationships. No more abuse. No more all of the stuff that we hate. No more war. No more death. We're part of that city. And as we walk in the grace of Jesus, knowing that we are loved, we, as it says in Romans 12, offer and practice hospitality, philoxenia, this, this deep, radical inclusion to everybody who is just not like us. And that's the goal, folks. To love our city. And to be a family, the church, in all places across our city, looking to invite, always leaving an empty chair, to invite somebody in. So I've got a question for us in a minute we'll pray. And that is, what do you think you can bring? What is the Lord put in your hand? What is it you can bring in this next season? I'm going to share with the people around us a couple of minutes and then we'll pray. Is that all right? Some of the folks around you, what can you bring in this next season?